0: Well, good morning and welcome back to what is our um, sixth message in our series on the seven messages to the church found in Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3. During this preaching series, we have been um, diving deep into these messages that have been given to the church to look at how the messages have been given to those churches in that time, but also are relevant to us today. And we know when we read these passages, when we talk about the church, it is not about this abstract thing. It's not about the building. It's not about the places other churches around. When God is speaking to us through his word found in the Bible, when God is speaking to us and talks about the church, he's talking about each and every one of us here. Online, across the world, God is talking to us today about what it means for us when we find ourselves separated from community, when we find ourselves not able to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. This message that, we've been looking, that we'll look at today because we're looking at the message to the, to the church in the city of Philadelphia. Over the weeks, we've, we've had a look at the, the message to Ephesus. We've had a look at the message to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira and to the church in Sardis last week. And today, we actually explore in depth the message to the church in Philadelphia. That is the city that is not in the United States. It's the city that's actually um, in, in that region within Turkey that we know that are the seven churches. Philadelphia... Actually, if we go into a little bit of the history, and as we've been doing, we've been looking at the history of these churches, so we can kind of understand partly why the names are being given there, partly what is the the, the issue that the city had or the church had within that city. Philadelphia was actually established as it was what's known as a relative new city in the time, so it was only 100, uh, 189 BC. So, um, and it was actually established by King Umayyaz II who actually named the city for the love he had of his brother, who would actually end up being his successor. And his brother was named Atlas II. Um, but Atlas II actually had a nickname, Philadelphos. Um, and, and that's actually where we get the name of the city, Philadelphia. And if you actually know anything about the city of Philadelphia in the United States, it's actually known as the city of brotherly love. And it's not because of that city itself, it's because of the name of this city, of Philadelphia, and the king's love for the brother. It's not about the way the city reacted with one another. It was actually about the king's love for his brother and he named the city after that love he had for his brother. The city of Philadelphia was actually not particularly far away from the city that we talked about last week, which is Sardis. And we know that Sardis actually suffered greatly with various earthquakes across the time and actually was destroyed and rebuilt, destroyed and rebuilt kind of thing. Philadelphia not being so far away and on the same kind of um, mountain range of cresty kind of stuff, that we actually know that Philadelphia suffered from earthquakes as well, not as badly as Sardis, but it also suffered from earthquakes and was destroyed and rebuilt um, a number of times. We know from uh, the historical records and the nature of what it was like to live in in Philadelphia, we know that the actual um, people of the church in Philadelphia were poor, were very poor, were heavily taxed, and, and they were pretty much some very oppressed members of that city. They were forced to live on the outskirts of the city and they couldn't become part of the inner parts of the city, which in, in many respects actually saved them in the times of earthquakes because they weren't in that, that zone where the city crumbled and fell. They were out more in the regions. But they were forced to be further outside of the city. And, and, and this actually brings me to the, the reason that... Um, that we kind of had this message come up to us and part of what it is. See, the church at at Philadelphia was suffering from excommunication, was suffering from being separated from its community. They were excommunicated and specifically excommunicated from the Jewish synagogue. Now, the early church used to actually meet in the synagogues. They, They used to come together in the synagogues as a place of meeting, place of prayer, um, and Paul, if you actually uh, read through Paul's um, missionary journeys, you'll actually find that he'll first of all go into the synagogue of the city or the town he's going into and start to meet with the people there and, and find a place where people who are religious, people who are uh, seeking to understand God, he would go to them first and and talk to them and be part of their place. He'd go to where they were praying. And if he couldn't find them in the temple, if there wasn't you know, a synagogue there, he would then go to where those people would then pray, whether it's at a riverside or wherever it might be. What we find is the church here in Philadelphia was actually finding it really hard because they would be... Um, wanting to go into the synagogue except and and to talk about Christ, to talk about Jesus as the Messiah, was actually something that they could do in that place. But they were actually excommunicated. They weren't allowed to come into that synagogue anymore. They were removed and pushed aside. Not only that, they were removed and pushed aside from the everyday activities of that city of Philadelphia. They were pushed out. They were separated. They were poor. They were on the outskirts. They were oppressed. And and here's the thing. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 8, it says this. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obey my word and did not deny me. Here's the thing. When it's saying you have little strength, it's actually talking about how they were separated, removed, excommunicated, oppressed. That is the thing that ...that they had that wasn't working for them. They were on the outskirts. And notice this. Here's the thing. Even though they had little strength, even though they were excommunicated... ...even though they were oppressed... ...they didn't forego their love of Jesus. They didn't forego the obedience to Jesus' word. They didn't forego what Jesus taught. They didn't deny Jesus... You, you, Philadelphia is one of the two cities here, one of the two churches here that are that are mentioned that do not have a complaint against them. You notice in, in all the other cities, when there's um, times of testing, when times of struggle, and all of those oppressions that are happening, they often found themselves compromising or or, or diluting their faith, or finding a way that they could work around it yet here in Philadelphia the people even though they were excommunicated even though they were removed even though that they were oppressed they never denied Jesus they never stood back from the teachings of Christ they always stepped forward and here's the thing what does it mean for us that Jesus is saying here to the church, this is a message from Jesus to the church of Philadelphia, that he has opened a door for them that no one can close. So within the New Testament, there's imagery of the doorway. And when, we use, when that's used, that imagery of the doorway, it's, it's in apostolic language It's not a special language that the apostles use. It's just the the way that the apostles spoke. um, It's to indicate an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. That's That's what it means when they talk about a doorway. To share the good news about Jesus with other people is, is having a doorway to them, is having a doorway into the city, is having a doorway that they can walk through. This is the apostolic language that they were using, is that the doors were open for us, which meant that it wasn't just the physical doors, it was the doors were open so that we could go in and tell them about Jesus. That is what was meant by open doors. So in Philadelphia which had been excommunicated from the synagogue, door had been closed, been shut off. They couldn't share the gospel. Jesus is saying that he is opening a door for them, a door so that they can share the good news, a door that cannot be closed, a door that won't be shut off for them. He's opening this other door for them, not the one that they thought was in the synagogue, in this city. They were opening, Jesus opening another one. As I've said previously, in, in, in the weeks previous about how Jesus names himself, how Jesus describes himself in the introductions to each of these churches each of these messages to these churches is important for us and is significant because it opens up for us what is the key aspect in each of these messages to the church. And in Revelation chapter, chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. This is Jesus, the one who has the key of David. So he can open up, he's got the kingdoms there. What he opens, no one can close. Notice the opening Notice the closing. And what he closes, no one can open. So he's opening the doors for people. He's opening it up for them. So the important aspect here for us to really grapple with is, is what does it mean that doors are open for us? What does it mean that doors are closed? If we bring this message for us as a church today, Jesus is opening doors for us to be able to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the gospel message It's the gospel message. See, if we don't listen to this, if we don't listen to this message that is being said to the church in Philadelphia, if we don't listen to this message and say, even if it's hard, even if we think places are closing down, Jesus is opening doors for us. Even if we think, one way that we used to be able to spread the good news has closed and we can't do this ministry anymore, whatever it might be. We are sitting in the middle of a lockdown in Sydney. And if we thought the only way that we could spread the good news of Jesus Christ was by coming into a building and sharing the message in a way that we used to do worship, then we would be not here opening the door in front of us. Jesus is opening the door for us to be able to spread the message, not just even to our local community, but out into a bigger, wider world for us. Out and across, uh, you know, in, in countries overseas, in cities and towns across Australia, the message is going out because doors have been opened. And we are willing and able to step through that. And that's the thing. When a door's open, what do you do? You can either stand and look in and go, yep, no, that's not for me. Or you can go and step through that doorway and do what God wants us to do. To spread the good news that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But here's the thing. In all churches, there is this tension that exists. Let me be honest with us. There's a tension that exists between evangelism and pastoring of the church. We are encouraged to be evangelistic, to spread that good news of Jesus Christ. We are encouraged and we are commanded, we are directed to go and do that. Now, the call to go and tell people about Jesus Christ has not diminished. The call to invite them into a living relationship with with our God has not diminished. It has not stopped. But we have a tension within our church that that says that we need to be looking after our people within our church. It's not an either all, it's not an exclusive one or the other, but there is this tension because if you've got a leader that wants to push more to the evangelism side of things, people feel a little bit neglected. But if you've got a leader that wants to just pastor, the evangelism side tends to get neglected. Here's what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says. And then I'll read verse 11. However, he has given each one of us a special gift. That is, that is God. has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ, And now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. They're the gifts that Christ has given to the church. Let me break it down for you. Notice this list of gifts that Christ has given to the church. You've got the apostles and the evangelists. Now, these are people that go through open doors. These are people who want to go out and spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody that they know. They want to go out and and, and tell people about it. They want, they want to, you know, an apostle is somebody that wants to look out and go and lead and be out there and take the church there. An evangelist is somebody that wants to just spread the good news of Christ out there. So they're, they're the ones that have got open doors heart and soul, right where there is. And then you've got the pastors and you've got the teachers. Now, these are the ones that, that want to care and want to tend and want to educate people so that they know what it means to live in the faith, so they care for one another once they've made a decision. These are people that love their brothers and sisters in Christ and want to sh- just encourage them and help them grow Want to, want to be with them when there is heartache, want to celebrate with them when there's things to celebrate, want to open up the word of God to them. This is for those who have already made a decision. So you've got this tension between these gifts, the apostles and the evangelists, and you've got the pastor and the teacher, and then you've got the prophets, and the prophets, they span both. They want to be able to walk through and tell the world about what Jesus is doing and, and correct them, but they also talk to the church about what they are doing wrong and where God is speaking to their lives and what they need to change and do so that they can fully become devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the tension that we have, but yet we are always called, and this is what the church in Philadelphia, while it was not condemned... It was encouraged to do something really important. I could well imagine that this church in Philadelphia has not forgone meeting together, sharing the good news of Christ, supporting and sharing with one another. And when you're oppressed, you can, you can build a wall around yourselves. And they could have been sitting in there just saying, in the, you know, not literal wall, but just a metaphoric wall for us, but just sitting there and going, we're looking after ourselves, we need to tend to ourselves, we're being oppressed, we're not allowed in, they're just being there. And Jesus here, the message to Philadelphia is saying, no, go through that open door. I've created an open door. You need to get out from there, not just do the pastoring and teaching, but you need to do the evangelising, you need to do the apostles, you need to get out and do. There's a call for us. Even though there's this tension within the church between evangelism and pastoring, there is a call for us to go. There's a tension between tending and sending. There's a tension between tending the sheep and sending the sheep. This is the heart of the church. This has been at the heart, this tension has been at the heart of the church throughout centuries and centuries. It's still evident today. And we can't neglect either one. We need to live with that tension. We need to understand it. We need to claim it. It's when we don't claim it, when we don't understand it, when we just ignore it, is when we have problems. So as we look at this message to the church in Philadelphia, we need to realise that the door is open. It's not open because of the hard work that they were doing. It's because God opens the door and we are invited to step through that doorway. When we feel like ministry is not working or not going our way, we need to come back to the, the, to the call on the church to us. When we think church is not doing what it's, what it's meant to be, we need to come back to the call on the church for us. And let's come back to what Matthew 28, verses 18 onwards says. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. There's the, there's the open door going through it go and do this, I have, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptise them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples, here's the tending, here's the looking after, here's the teaching, here's the pastoring, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am, I am with you always, even to the end of age. See, here's the thing, you know, you, you've got this, making disciples, evangelism, you've got tending and pastoring, looking after, tending that, the sheep. Teaching. So the question we have for us today is this. What door is God opening for you right now? Not just us as the church, but for you as an individual. God opens doors for us. We need to open our eyes, as it says. As it says each time, open your eyes. Open your ears. Open your eyes. Open your ears to hear this message. Open our eyes to see what God is doing. God is opening doors for us to spread the message of Jesus Christ. We know, and I love this quote from, from Mike Breen in his book, The Seven Churches, um, subtitled Being the Church in a Time of Crisis. And it has this little thing. We know that only God can open the door. So what can we do to prepare? See, Philadelphia was a faithful church, a church marked by loyalty to Jesus. And to know one another, faithful Christians are the one that God is most able to use. So the Christians in Philadelphia were faithful in two ways. They were faithful in the face of, their, of the persecution they were having upon them. They didn't fall away from the truth of Jesus. They didn't compromise themselves with false teachings, and they were faithful to the word of Jesus. They didn't construe or change what Jesus had said. See, God opens up the doors to the faithful, those that do not compromise their faith in Christ, who are willing to walk through that open door that the Holy Spirit is guiding us. The Holy Spirit is guiding our words and our path for all that we do. So let's just pray together. Gracious, loving God, we just we give you thanks that you continually challenge us. As a church, as individuals, you challenge us to, to see more clearly, to be more open with who we are as individuals. But Lord, help us to understand that there is always a tension between looking after and going out. And Lord, we know that we live in that tension as a church. But help us to be faithful. Help us to be seeking your presence in our lives. Help us to understand what you would have us do. Help us to to go out into the world through the doors that you are opening, through the ways that you are teaching us, so that we can tell about the salvation that is only found in Jesus Christ. God, may you find us faithful today. May you find us willing, able and ready to proclaim Jesus' name. The name above all names. Lord, we just pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen.